the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Together for Good, brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. Together for Good exists to recognize and uplift the many people working together for the good of San Antonio and the surrounding communities. Now here's the host of Together for Good, Cody Knowlton. Welcome back to Together for Good. Together for Good is brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. BHFSA exists to honor our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Baptist heritage by providing needed funds for health-related programs at area nonprofits and churches. You know, in the U.S. today, many churches have gotten very familiar with and good at providing physical needs in their communities through food pantries, clothes closets, and financial assistance. These projects fold into the church's mission of outreach and ministering to those outside the church walls. Recent developments, though, show the church's work in the community is far from complete. Record levels of depression, anxiety, drug overdose, and suicide continually rock communities that are already struggling with financial and social stressors. Churches can and often must expand to meet these mental health needs. In downtown San Antonio, one church that has faithfully served the community for decades is now adding to existing programs. First Baptist Church of San Antonio now offers mental health counseling and will be expanding their program to meet the needs they've seen in their neighborhood. Here to share more about that project are pastors Brian Richardson and Chris Johnson. Dr. Richardson is currently in his internship for licensure as a licensed professional counselor. He's the associate pastor for counseling at First Baptist Church. And Dr. Chris Johnson has been the senior pastor at First Baptist Church for nearly six years. So, Chris, Brian, welcome. Glad you guys are here for Together for Good, and we're anxious for this conversation. Glad to be here. Good. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here with you, Cody. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so, gentlemen, what are some common misconceptions or stigmas surrounding mental health, specifically within religious communities? And, Chris, I'll, I'll start with you. One of the common misconceptions I, I think we hear regularly is that working through mental health issues is a weakness or it's a sign of weakness. And in a similar way, it is directly associated with sin. Mm -hmm. And so folks feel like when they're dealing with issues that it's it's problematic and they don't want to come forward because they don't want to seem weak or they don't want to uh, seem sinful. Um, And so they repress those things and step back uh, when really we need to work through all of those things together. Mm Yeah. So casseroles come out for the physical needs, you know, right. for the cancers right. and all that. Right. Not so much for this other. No, no. The, the mental health things are kept at the back mm-hmm. um, and kept away from from the public and aren't dealt with in a healthy way. Yeah. Brian. I, I think that's exactly right. And Chris, when you say weakness mm-hmm. and sin, people go to that almost immediately. And part of that is because Weakness is considered something that has no place, and it's ironic, actually, or it's it's actually 
too bad because weakness is our life, uh, really. Uh, when I'm weak, I am strong. You know, Paul says, Paul owned that weakness. He embraced it. And he said, I myself uh, lack all of the internal resources until I am taught by Christ how to stand with the, my brothers and sisters and stand with the Lord. And so all of us really are weak, but sometimes we don't engage that in, in each other as we should. And I think sin, you know, the disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And, you know, people get depressed, and that doesn't mean anything except that it is an opportunity for it doesn't mean anything as in, in regard to sin. I mean, it could or it couldn't, you know. But, but in in and of itself, emotional and mental health issues are an opportunity, I think, and and that's what people don't see that we perhaps have not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Brian, uh, since this has been your your space, and uh, since you've just received your your master's in counseling, you know, what do you see as some of the greatest mental health challenges? in our community and uh, are there any specific disparities that stand out you know within those challenges first of all i, I think uh, i love that question and i for me it coalesces um, into loneliness um, aloneness and it's sort of a uh, in our day uh, it's really isolation induced loneliness now more than ever and it morphs that isolation induced loneliness morphs into marital distress uh, morphs into depression or fracturing of families and fellowships um, along political lines. I've seen people get lonely uh, in their families, in their extended families, because they have broken fellowship with these folks along sort of media-driven, you know, political fervor and so forth. There's substance use that uh, that loneliness has morphed into big time. And then the disparities, I think about young people, um, specifically teenagers and then young adults also. Uh, the statistics show that they comprise a huge swath of the depression stats uh, these days. And, uh, and then also the families connected to them, to those folks, uh, become distressed. And then also marriages are experiencing deep struggles in church circles. Mm-hmm. So First Baptist Church has some wonderful plans. And, Brian, you were a first step, I mean, a staff member, to, you know, beginning counseling services. But actually, the church has got grander plans uh, for you. And, Chris, could you talk a little bit about the plans from a facility side of the board and kind of how that all came about? Yeah, as we think about who we are as a church, we want to serve this city well. And as we were talking to our neighbors and we were praying about how to serve in our specific context of downtown San Antonio, there is a real need for um, on-site counseling where you can come in and, and see somebody uh, downtown. And so we, we started to discern with the Lord what, what are ways that we might be able to, to help and serve our community in that way. And so we, we've worked with Brian. We're, we're grateful for his work. And as he moves forward, we're in the process of developing a counseling center uh, on our campus. And we're looking forward to what that's going to be and what that's going to turn to. We have very hopeful plans of um, this counseling center being this place of joy and hopefulness and having um, counseling available all through the week 
mm. uh, with very low cost options and where we can serve this community well um, and all of these different mental health issues, you know, that Brian was just mentioning, um, because we see them in our church, we see them in our community. And, you know, we, we want to do our part in helping with resources and giving people the tools and the opportunities they need to work through these issues um, and and there's not a better place to do that than than in the church mm. um, yeah. and in our context. Mm-hmm. Brian, talk about how it would feel to be in a facility that I mean, currently you're just in your office there yeah. in the church, right? Which has I'm I'm sure has challenges. <laughs> it's, um, less, it's less than ideal. You know, less than ideal. So this would actually be a, a facility that's on the church campus that's fronting Broadway. That's right, and is known as the Wolfson House. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd be in that location. Yeah, it it would uh, feel like uh, we. are are extending our reach into the city. And one of the things that you had asked, I I think, uh, on some of the notes you sent was why downtown? And that's a great question, Um, mainly because we are downtown, you know, and downtown is undergoing a renaissance uh, and growing and inviting people in. And we do want to be a part of saying this is a good thing. And we also invite people in, and one of the ways we do, we there are many ways, one of the ways we do is we say, your distress is welcome here also, and we want to come alongside you and uh, listen to how we may provide some support for you. And we have a beautiful historic home on Broadway that is a perfect, warm place for these conversations right. to happen. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're grateful for that resource, and we want to use it well and be good stewards of, of what we've been given there. And we think the first floor of this historic home is going to make a beautiful counseling center for us. It will feel really good to invite people into a space that they don't have to navigate uh, like they would the, the main church building, going through offices and being buzzed in and ushered in and all that. Uh, just come to this house and sit with somebody for a while. Mm-hmm. Brian, how do you bring faith into the therapeutic process? And uh, kind of couple with that, what role does faith play in building resilience and coping mechanisms? Yeah, a couple of great questions, and I appreciate those so much. I, I bring faith into that process when I enter into a session with somebody because I am a person of faith, you know, and, and so it I can't disentangle that from myself. It has shaped everything I do and see and experience in life. And it also informs my affinity for and commitment to the counseling process. Um, Simply being in that profession is, for me, uh, a manifestation of my faith. I want to help people get better because my faith informs me that each person is worth hearing and worth attending to as a creature in God's image. And the second part of that question, you know, resilience, it really flows into the, um, as far as being resilient and, and using coping mechanisms, if, if I may, I, I would like to, um, it, it really flows into that question on practical ways individuals can mm-hmm. integrate their spiritual practices. May I sure, address absolutely. that? Um, I think resilience and coping are both very necessary dimensions of our being. And uh, you had asked what are some practical ways that individuals can integrate spiritual practices and beliefs into their everyday lives to support mental health. And I would say our faith teaches us the practice of meditation. We see that all 
through the Bible, you know, the New Testament and the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see this, you know, I meditate on your precepts. I meditate on what is true from God. Uh, the New Testament, train your mind uh, and help your mind be conformed to uh, what is good and righteous. So meditation, gratitude, this is a spiritual practice as well. Um, and this is a faith practice, and it is a mental health practice. Gratitude puts you in a posture of receiving from God humbly, and it also puts you in a posture of joy and understanding that you have what you need. And then grounding, I think. Mental health folks talk about the practice of grounding. And we don't often think of that in the New Testament, but when Jesus says something like, look at the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. What he's saying is feel something bigger than yourself, the order of things, the earth beneath your feet. And there is something that is steady and has a rhythm there that you can attune to. And um, this is a this is a practice of grounding. Often we see in the Old Testament, you you hung the stars, you know, you suspended the, the earth, laid the earth on its foundations. This is a grounding kind of thing. And so these are coping mechanisms that are more than just window dressing. They really speak to the soul of a person. Listeners, if you've just tuned in, uh, this is Together for Good, brought to you by Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio. I'm your host, Cody Knowlton, and today we're discussing church's role in meeting mental health needs in their communities. And my guests are Brian Richardson and Chris Johnson from First Baptist Church, uh, San Antonio. We're having a, a great, great conversation here. I want to continue it with Brian. Do you anticipate, uh, Brian, serving clients that are not Christians? And how would those interactions work? Yeah, Again, I love these questions. These are these are great. I do see uh, people who are not Christians now. Uh, mm. Part of our clientele comes from outside the church and sometimes outside of faith altogether, just uh, people being referred to us. And um, those interactions work because counseling is by default a person-centered exercise. That is, it, it sees, counseling sees clients as experts on their lives. And uh, rather than, you know, somebody coming down from the mountain and dispensing some wisdom. A competent counselor, and this is, uh, this is highly important, I think, a competent counselor will address the issues that a client raises rather than the issues that the counselor uh, thinks would be good for the client to raise. Um, and this approach owes its origins to Christ himself, who would ask people such as a blind beggar, what do you want me to do hmm. for you? Everybody knows he's a blind beggar. And so right there you've got two things, and Jesus could roll into town and be the expert. But he says, what, what do you want me to do? And if a person says, how can Christ help me to change the way I live with others? Well, then that's an invitation from that client for me to talk about Christ. But in a, in also in the counseling environments, if the person says, um, especially if he doesn't claim any religious identity, if the person says, uh, how can change come to the way I live with others? Well, turn to Christ is not something that I will, uh, th- that that person is asking in that context. Um, and we would talk about something that that person longs for in, you know, a, a relationship perhaps. And that that therapeutic alliance that is built of trust and empathy will facilitate those corrective emotional experiences. And that itself, I think, is a spiritual work, again, with the faith that I bring into that. And it's the it's really the common grace of God hmm. at work, I think. Hmm. 
Chris, do you have plans to involve the whole church congregation in supporting community-wide mental health and well-being? Absolutely. So when we take on a project um, as the church, as the First Baptist Church of San Antonio, it's not just Brian or just myself. Um, we come with and in the church itself. And so with that, when, when we say we're going to do this, is we're going to do this together. And so as we do, there's a number of things that we want to do. We, we are going to provide the space, which we talked about earlier in the Wolfson House, where this is our space that we're going to dedicate to mental health services. And we're going to do everything that we can to encourage those that are serving and working in that way and then uh, participate in it in a number of different ways to say we're going to talk about this. Even though there are many who don't want to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. Um, and we're going to do our part to provide referrals and just share the information of what's happening and make sure that Counseling Center is getting its full and best use. And so our congregation is going to help us spread the word and be a part of those services and, and sharing it with the community. And we're just looking forward to all the different ways that, that that's going to happen and that we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. And this isn't Brian out uh, on his own. But we're in this together and serving our community together in this way. And, and I will say I have felt and continue to feel the support of the church every step of the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, all through this, from, from the inception of this all the way till today. It's just been and continues to be really, really supportive. Yeah. A question for both of you guys. Do you see a connection between mental well-being and being an active part of a church congregation? Chris? Uh, I, I would note two things there. Um, one, in, in connection with faith, I just want to say this, that in our faith, we are led into times of confession and repentance. You know, we talked about earlier that sometimes um, when we think about issues we have, often they're not connected with sin. Sometimes they are connected with sin. And working through how repentance is a healing and necessary part of our mental health. And, and that's something that we talk about in the church, about what it means to be a repentant person. And how that isn't something that bestows guilt onto a person, but it's a, it's a place of relief and releasing of that guilt um, in moments of um, confession and repentance. And often that's in an individual way, but the church comes around you and teaching and supporting and repentance. And, and I'd also say this, um, Brian mentioned this earlier, one of the primary issues that we're speaking into and, and working on here is the isolation and loneliness in individuals. And one of the things that you see in the church is a way forward in community. It's a way to live your life together with other people. And you can go through the ups and downs and and the the difficulties and the guilt and the hopelessness, and you can do that with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so in the church, we we have places, and, and what we try to do, we're not always successful, is to give people opportunity to, to share and work through things together, and it becomes a great place of health when we do that well. Now, sometimes we don't, but when we do it well, it becomes a, a healthy thing for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right on. Brian, would you comment there? Yeah, I would. I, I think that uh, we are no strange, our church itself is no stranger to what loneliness can do in the life of a person, even when that person is seemingly involved. And that's why sometimes that question is fraught. Chris alluded to that. Sometimes we do it well, sometimes we don't. And sometimes we don't know what's happening in the life of a person. Uh, and this is this, this just the way it is. But we are saying to people, uh, we're going to speak of our need 
for emotional and mental wholeness. We're going to do that. Um, one of the things that we continue to do is be friends with the H.E. Butt Foundation, which has said we're going to come alongside churches and help resource them and equip them. Uh, we're looking at a forum in September, uh, the Think Forum, that uh, will talk about suicide uh, as, as one of those areas of focus that has touched all of us in one way or another. Uh, and so these kinds of ways, we invite that conversation to continue. Mm-hmm. Brian, um, or maybe I should say Chris, um, when we think about isolation, you know, what would you say to individuals who are continuing to remain isolated in their homes and not come back uh, to in-person worship services? Yeah, and, and we certainly see uh, some of that still these days. And my first reaction to that question is to ask them why. Mm-hmm. Some people have legitimate reasons why they need to stay home. And so we continue with uh, our broadcasts and Zooms and, and those kinds of things because there are specific needs that people have that some people very well are homebound. Mm-hmm. But to the others who aren't homebound, um, to those that, that are going to the grocery store but not to church, or to those that are going to work but not to church, um, I would say church community, in-person church community, where you can know a handshake or a hug is vital to our Christian faith. The Christian faith was never intended to be alone. Uh, All the way through the scriptures, you see community. Um, There are brief moments of isolation and things, but but it always comes back to the community and walking together uh, with others in this faith. And, And it's a necessary part of who we are and what we do. And our faith is weaker when we do it alone. And so if you have the opportunity and you are able, um, it's necessary to, to be there and, and be in person and, and walk in faith together. And it's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you better. Um, and you need it. Yeah, that's right. Couldn't agree more. Well, as a pastor and as a counselor, uh, what steps do you both take to prioritize your own mental health? Uh, I I mean, I'll I'll start here. One of the primary things that I've seen has been most helpful for me as a pastor, um, and I've done this for a number of years, is regularly find time to meet with other senior pastors. Mm -hmm. The the pastors that that I hear from that are struggling the most are are the ones that feel like they don't have connections with other pastors, Mm -hmm. and they they feel disconnected from from other folks. They, They feel isolated in their congregation. And so I love and find great energy and encouragement when I get to meet with other senior pastors. And so there's a few different ways I try to do that through the year. And so, one, that time is necessary, so with, with others. And then also, uh, Pastor Don Guthrie, who's before me, had a habit of doing at least one or two personal prayer retreats that were moments of isolate, intentional isolation uh, to listen to the voice of the Lord. And those two in conjunction provide great life and energy. So you, you have the group time, and then you have the isolation to go and hear from the Lord. And when you get those in a good rhythm, um, or when I get those in a good rhythm, I'm in a good place. Mm-hmm. Brian, we've got just a few minutes left. Yeah. How could you wrap that up? Well, I, I think about three things. One is reading the Bible helps me to understand questions that people have grappled with for a long, long time. And I I love that aspect of reading through the Bible. Second, I I try to exercise vigorously. There's a body-mind connection that cannot 
be ignored. We ignore that at our peril. Emotions really are a signal from the body that something needs addressing. And so when you take care of the body, often that that flows into mental health. And and third, I go to therapy myself. Mm-hmm. And I I have to have the help of another person skilled in empathy and attuned to my pain uh, to help me learn how to listen to my emotions instead of disowning them and how to reach for help from others instead of reaching for distractions. Mm-hmm. Those three ways, really. Thank you all. Thank you for your, your honesty there. Mm-hmm. Brian, how can someone connect with First Baptist Church and its mental health services? I mean, what's the best way to do that? Well, the best way is to go online at fbcsa.com slash counseling, and you can find all the numbers and the information that you need there to uh, set up an appointment if you want to do that, or you can give somebody else that uh, web address and they can do that themselves. Okay, great. Grateful for you too. Thank you for all y'all do uh, in the downtown area and in the church setting. Uh, Y'all are really on the front lines and I'm grateful for both of you. Can I pray for y'all both? You do a lot of praying for me (laughs) and for a lot of other folks. uh, And you know what? I'd like to pray for you guys before we depart today. So let me do that. Heavenly Father, we, we love you, and we thank you for this day. Every day is a gift. And uh, we're grateful for Brian, for Chris, uh, for First Baptist Church, uh, for its ministry and its uh, location in the center of the city, and for this new counseling endeavor. Uh, we just lift it up and pray that it will meet the needs that are out there. We pray for Chris as he leads and pastors and shepherds this church, and we pray for Brian as he leads this program and is front and center with those that are uh, in need. And so we, we pray for both of them. Uh, Go with us from uh, this place and help us to continue to focus on you and serve you uh, the best that we can. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Chris, Brian, thank you all for uh, coming by today to talk about this issue with me today. It's encouraging to see God's people leading the charge on getting mental health help to those who need it most. Uh, We'd also like to thank our listeners. We hope you've been encouraged by the work being done in our community to improve the lives of our neighbors. You can catch our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts or by visiting Baptist Health Foundation of San Antonio's website, bhfsa.org slash together for good. We'll be back next week with another great conversation about health matters and and the work of our nonprofits in our area. God bless and take care, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today for Together for Good. We hope you've been encouraged, uplifted, and inspired. Until our next time together, may the Lord bless and keep you. And in all things, to God be the glory. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.